Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. So before the show, I think is better sometimes uh, than the actual show. Now, this is not going to be that week. This show is going to be awesome. But um, Zach walks in, and I, I so I go, dude, you got to hear this, right? And that's normally how I start. When Zach walks in, I usually have music eat up that I want to I wanna share with Zach, and we bond over music. Or sometimes we have some deep conversation. Yeah, on occasion. Yeah. yeah. But uh, normally it's music. Like, have you heard this? Like, I went through a Kanye phase, and uh, Zach, Zach guided me through that. And so... <laughs> some good, hey, some good and, and we thank you, Zach. Yeah, hey, we this, thank yeah, you. Right, yeah. There's some good music yeah. Oh, I still like it, but yeah. he he's like, oh, you're just Toned figuring you down. It, yeah, yeah. You're just figuring this out, and I'm like, yeah, man. He goes, no, oh, it's not that. It's it's appreciation. You're like, hey, you ever really listen to Kanye West? I'm like, yeah, it's actually good. This yeah, is a reason he made a billion so, dollars. So yeah. we went through some songs and stuff. So um, yesterday, I am um, I I'm uh, just uh, taking a mental break, and I'm thumbing through Facebook, and I see. You know, like the the clickbait that rolls through Facebook, of and, and it's a Disney thing where these people are going through the Pirates of the, of the Caribbean ride. Okay, except Johnny Depp is actually in the ride. Oh, like he's you know like how it's like an animatron, an animatron, and they're and like the pirate, like oh you are, you know, and like yeah. no no, it's actually, it's actually Johnny him. Depp, and they didn't believe him at first, and then he's like. I see you in the pink shirt. And, and of course, like, oh, my God, it's Johnny freaking Depp, right? And yeah. Now, they're, I don't think they're doing that now with the whole trial thing going saying, on. There's a reason that's popping up in the algorithm. Somebody Probably. Johnny Depp is Yeah, trending. so much Johnny Depp yes. stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, has anyone seen what Amber Heard did to my bed? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's I don't think about. that's going to make it into the ride. But anyway, Johnny Depp's in the ride, and it's, it's to see the people's reactions. It's pretty awesome. So now I've got, like, because of the way my mind works, I'm like, Oh, there was a great song with Michael Bolton and talk singing about Johnny Depp. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my goodness! It is Danny. Have you ever heard it from the Lonely Island? I'm going to go with Danny is not SNL ever guys. Heard it. And uh, I just know I saw Michael Bolton Michael on that Bolton. show uh, on the my the music show my states like who's who what state is the best and he's a prof- he's going against amateurs. He's a professional. He's in Connecticut. He's representing Connecticut. Michael Bolton? Michael Bolton, Dude, actually. I, it's, my, he's like trying to revive his career. No, no. Michael Bolton has revived his career. Yeah, speaking of revived his yeah, career. Yeah, can you show the screen? Then why is he on that uh, uh, reality show with the amateurs? 
Can we figure out a way to get Michael Bolton in this on the screenshot on, on yeah. this week's tile with Danny on the hat? I think uh, maybe I can move it. Perhaps. Out. Yeah. So Michael, I think you ought to get me. We're talking about the wrong Michael Bolton. We're all talking about the wrong Michael Bolton. We should be talking about the Michael Bolton from Office Space. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> you know what? Get, favorite get, line is. But, who had a big chip on his shoulder, and his favorite line is, people ask me, why didn't you change your name? He said, why should I change my name? He's the one that sucks. You know what? <laughs> Let's get some Boltons on the screen this week. Yeah. On the tile, let's get the Boltons. I think, I think you could put my face with his gold streaming hair when he was much younger, when he oh still had gosh. hair. Three Bolt, two Boltons and a Danny. Two Fit, Boltons and a Danny. Two, two Boltons and a Danny. Figure, stream, streaming hair. Yeah, can you figure out how to give Danny streaming hair? Yeah. Yeah, I can make you know, one. he used to have that long... Oh yeah, curly hair. Now he's like the not. Hair, we can't play it on the show because we get a uh, copyright violation, and I don't want to work through it. But let me tell you something. One, the song's dirty. It's awesome. And two, uh, it is awesome. And have I mentioned three? This song is awesome. Yeah. So if you want, I'm going to put the show in the song in the. I'm going to put the song in the show links. There you go. This week. Yeah. That way, folks who are listening can be like, "What was Tim talking about?" And oh my God, Tim, I thought you were a Christian. Still am, but. Uh, well, <laughs> jury's out on that, but but you know, yeah, wow, man, you know, Chris, well, well, wait, Michael Bolton's got a really dirty song. That's kind of strange because he was always that soupy love song stuff, dude. Got some this, censorable lyrics. This, this is yeah. a great song because it's dirty. Tim loves it because it's dirty. That's it's got I, bad words. No, Andy, Andy Samberg, I imagine. Yeah, wrote the yes. wrote, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, who could we get? That's the the fact that Michael Bolton signed on to this. Is like all all making shows Michael, how desperate he is to no, get, revive it's, his career. It's relevancy to go along with that plastic <laughs> surgery. I'm convinced he had, right. which I'm not saying I wouldn't have. I think Michael Bolton, out of the people that look good with coming out of plastic surgery, I don't think Michael Bolton in this screenshot looks too bad. No, he doesn't. He's I mean, here, I mean, man. yeah, like I don't like there. There are some questionable folks. Here, let's see if that one comes up. Like, that doesn't look bad, yeah. right? Yeah, like, he's clearly had some work he's done. Cutting it up on the beach. Has Tom Cruise had work done? We were talking about this in the house the other yes. day. I could he care less. He has to. Right, because Tanya's Tan yeah. like, I've seen him with his shirt off in the Top Gun previews. And she goes, why is his skin not hanging from him? I'm like, because he's Tom freaking Cruise. That's he's right. beautiful. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, no, I think he's had work done. I'm like, Tom Cruise had work done? Like, he, I, he's got, like, the best plastic surgeon, right? He's got a good one. If, if, if better than Bolton's, you think? Oh yeah, better than this guy? No, oh, yeah. that's tough. <laughs> and I tell you, his voice not was better than Marie Osmond's. No, I Marie have not Osmond's seen Marie. Not not Marie. I have not seen her plastic surgery. All those uh, Weight Watchers commercials or Nutrisystem commercials that she does. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I've seen that's her actually now. Marie. You've seen it. You just you didn't, didn't realize, realize it was Marie Osmond. Osmond. She looks so good. You didn't realize it was her. <laughs> it's, well, that makes it tough on Donnie. Is Donnie at work? Uh, yeah, he, has, yeah he, didn't, he, has he didn't have the same one. Surely, he yeah. didn't have the same yeah. one. Couldn't yeah. afford. Could, <laughs> maybe, maybe Donnie should have got fat and, and then got the Weight Watchers. So we could afford uh, the better plastic surgeon. Look, stock nerds, you need a little bit of levity. It's been a tough news week, right? And so uh, a little bit of levity to start the show. Let me show you some things, and then we'll get into some processes, and we'll make the show very practical uh, as we head into the elongated week and where there's no trading on Monday to celebrate. Memorial Day. Go ahead, Dan. I just want to ask one question before we move yeah. on, because we're going to get into the meat of the show. Tom Cruise. Right. You know what they're doing with his movie, Maverick, the Top Gun 2? It's comes pretty out, cool. Comes it's out today, it's only going to be at movie theaters. 
You can't stream it. You can't because they're trying to get people back into movie theaters, which I think is a genius move. And number two, they're also wanting to break the box office record for, you know, biggest movie, you know, at the gate. And so it's a way to get people into the movie theaters. That's interesting. Movies projected to make $90 million this weekend. weekend. Is it a simultaneous release in China as well? Because that's how you do it. You can't. Don't you don't know. you don't open it staggered. It's world. It's a world. I think it's release. a. I think it's a global. Yeah, opening. if it's a global release, that's how you. I do hear. That. Uh, I hear they don't talk about just like the original Top Gun. They they don't, they don't actually mention who the bad baddies are in this movie. They never say it's the Ruskies in Top Gun One. They're just guys with like red stars on their planes. Right. You never know. I hear this one does the same thing. So they can fly it in any country. Top well, Gun hopefully it's play. the Chinese, not the Russians. It could, be, yeah. it could be that red star. Could be China. It sure could be that red yeah. star. Could be Russia. We'll see if they say. Yeah, it's know. left for you to project. That's right. Who are the bad people Top in this Gun world? Maverick. Out this weekend. Yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange. Uh, I think that comes out in July. Doctor Strange and Multiverse. Is that what it is? It already came out. No, it's in theaters right the now. The new one. Yes. Dude. I've seen it twice. Oh, has it good? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. From the director of The Evil Dead, Sam Raimi. Oh. Yeah. Talk Vix. Let's talk Vix. So, Vix. Vix has come off here, right? And I don't know about using a chart for Vix. I know some people who like to chart Vix. All I want to point out with Vix here, because I, I think people misuse the VIX, not the Vix Futures, but the Vix, the People's Vix, the Cash Vix, the Vix that I make fun of people because they're like, the Vix is too high. The Vix is too low. What is the VIX telling us? The VIX ain't telling you jack and fine. Here's the thing about the VIX at the end of the month. You can tell, because what will confound uh, people is that the, nothing has changed, right? The market, uh, you could say the market was oversold. The market, the market was stretched to the downside. Market's up nicely here. Um, you know, from we're at SPX uh, 3874, 3875, and now we're at 41.24. And it's like, Happy days are here again, Daniel. Happy days are here. And so um, I'm not sure happy days are here again, but the problem is what confounds uh, folks that um, – I don't, I don't want to say don't follow closely because I think the people follow closely. It's, well, what's changed? You know, inflation is still a problem. Um, consumer sentiment is still a problem. All the things that have been talked about ad nauseum are still problems. And here's the thing. And, and I want to go back to a theme. That markets move not because they want to, but because they have to. And they don't send you a memo for this. So when it happens again, you're not caught off sides. Or, or, or um, if it happens again uh, to stock market market levels, you're just watching. At least you understand it. Because a lot of the problems with the markets is you're trying to make it make sense in your mind, right? So if you're a classically trained economist uh, or a number two pencil, like uh, who's our boy? Goolsby. Thank you. Uh, you you know, like, well, you know, we're going to fit it into this model. And, and, and the market is not meant to fit into your mental mindset. It's just the market. And it moves because it has to, not because it wants to. And certainly doesn't move because you uh, want it to. Hedges are coming. And so uh, as, as the end of the month uh, draws near, the, what typically will happen is the hedges that you had, big mutual funds, pension. Well, I don't know about pension, but hedge funds, big hedges, right? And when you take those hedges off, it's just it's an opposite, right? It's 180 degrees out. Take the hedges off, price goes up. It it's a short squeeze, yeah. Yeah, and so, but but you don't want to discount it. You don't want to say, you, not that you did, but you don't want to say, oh, it's a short squeeze, and that's all it is. And you, not that you, you didn't do that, but that's what that, people right, will right. do. They'll project that type of. Uh, feeling 
onto price. And so you just want to respect the price. That's all. But you, to, Bottom line, it's a bear market, short-term rally until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise. You're like, well, what could that otherwise proof be? Well, and I've talked about this, and I think the way I want folks to uh, look at the shows here, and I, I didn't have this keyed up the way I wanted to. I had all the time in the world. I don't know why. But I think <laughs> I, I just forgot. I got yeah. to, seriously, dude, I got singing to Michael Bolton and telling Zach all about Michael Bolton, and I'm like, dude, I totally forgot to set this you up. You have a man crush on Michael Bolton, don't you? Dude, I'm okay to, to admit that when, when, when people are good-looking, Michael Bond's a good-looking dude. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be like 80, right? How old is Michael? Wow. You know what? Oh, let's take I don't think he's 80. No. Hold on. 72. I'll say 76. 67. No. Don, how old is Michael Bolton? Uh, I don't think Don listens to Michael Bolton. 69 years old. Don is all Michael Bolton. What, what is he? 69. All the time. Yeah, but it's I'm, I'm the Michael Bolton from uh, Office Space. Michael Bolton Yeah, 69. 69 years old. Wow. Him and Gronk. Little Gronk joke there for all football yeah, fans. Um, okay, so I think the way with the long weekend. You know, I didn't get you there, Hunter, with the Gronk joke. I, I looked at you specifically. <laughs> you, you got me subtly. You got so, me subtly. Um, and so uh, I think the way you approach this week's show, if you have not listened, it's going to build upon episode 400. It's going to build upon episode 401, and now this, of course, is episode 402. I think, he, I think it would behoove you. You can do it on one and a half speed, two times the speed. will sound like Chipmunks. By the way, Chipmunks movie released on streaming. Disney Plus? Yeah, Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they made them live action. It's like a Roger Rabbit meets the Chipmunks. Also an Andy Samberg project. Really? Yeah, Lonely Island. It's the same guys who directed Hot, uh, Hot Rod and Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping. So your Michael Bolton song yeah. and... The Chipmunks movie came from the same three group of people. Group you know, Jack people. Black had some good songs like Wonder Boy. <laughs> oh, Tenacious. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Who, who's he sing with Wonder Boy? I realize we're, sp- I, 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 we're not entering a flat spin here, are we? Are no. We? Okay, swear, cool. swear to God. <laughs> Just tell me who we sang with because uh, Jack Black's got some uh, Kyle good. Gass. Yeah, who's that? Who, what's his group? Uh, Tenacious D. Yes, Tenacious D. Tenacious D. You have Wonder Boy. You know what? I'll put Wonder Boy in the Wonder Boy's another good song. Oh, Wonder Boy's another good song. <laughs> Wonder Boy's there in the crevasse. Yeah. Yes, Wonder Boy. Um, great dude, Danny. You got to listen to these things. Yeah, you got to come in for the pre-show, Danny. Oh. You're missing, you're missing all the good stuff. So I think if you listen to "Avoid the Crash," and then this market breaks, I think this show makes makes just a uh, a little bit more sense. But as the hedges, uh, anyway. So as the hedges come off, uh, price goes up, and you just you just respect price and and kind of what it's doing, and so. There's a number of things this is going to hinge on, but understanding that first part, um, I think, is critical. Now, to say that I we're going back to highs or we're going to sink down to lows, I, I don't know where price is going here. We're really in a no person's land of of discovery, right? Like, we could have a vicious look at this SPX. We could have a vicious rally all the way up here. If we get beyond the 34 EMA, right up to the 50, you you could have SPX go all the way back to 42.50. Like that, that's a great move. Or, or, or is it going to come right back down? And so here's how you'll know, I think, when the hedges come back on. So it works in the opposite direction, right? When they put the hedges on, then price comes back down. Probably the first couple of days. So this is, I believe this is the last trading day of the month. Am I correct on that? It was Tuesday. 
the last trading day of the month. We're, we're close. Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday is the 31st. Yeah, and so uh, I think probably if you get beyond the first couple of days of June, uh, you probably will see price moderate and then uh, figure out where it wants to go. And so what's interesting to me here about stocks is that a crash has already occurred. And it's being talked about, right, with the tech stocks. And it's not just, I, you got to understand what's happening. Like, we've, we've talked ad nauseum about uh, stocks down 70, 80, 90%. And it's not just speculative stocks or small caps. It's stocks like PayPal, like Square. It's legitimate, you know, pal, pal, you say these companies. Snowflake is a legitimate. I mean, they've got great CEO, Snowflake, Frank Salutman, I believe, CEO, which is Legitimate business. Uh, what's Baba down for the year? Anybody know what Baba's down for the year? If someone can give that to me, I'd appreciate it. And I say that as it's being looked up. Look at this tweet. John R. Oakman is one of the best uh, follows on Twitter if you like Twitter uh, and you like learning. Um, $80,000 from 80 investors. But Alibaba generates $80,000 every 20 seconds. Right? Like, if I presented to you, a business that uh, that made eighty thousand dollars every twenty seconds without you know going well, what are their costs what are their you know like revenue yeah, yeah eighty thousand yeah. revenue wow that's a like that's that's amazing right and so Hunter did you were you able to find that looks like they're down about twenty percent year to date only twenty percent but they're down twenty percent in what sounds like a great business and. and and herein lies the problem. A lot of businesses are just tech businesses are, are starting to um, show the, the wares of what's happening. And they're the first to get hit. And I think what's going to, you'll, you'll see, it'll be interesting to see if it develops over the summer. This, I believe, is developing into a rolling bear market. Like it's, do you remember the movie The Blob? Yes. Yeah. And it just it takes a couple people, and then the blob moves, and it takes a couple more people. This, uh, blob, blob alert, Zach, if we could figure this out. Like, we got bold, and we got blob. Maybe it's all bees this week on the show time. Um, the blob will come for the other companies. Right now, it's got tech. And so, um, Bolt is one of the most funded unicorn startups in Silicon Valley, and they just cut like 25, 30% of their jobs. But this has been happening across Tech, s- oh yeah. startup land. Uh, but it's it's not just affecting um, new tech or new fi- fintech. Meta is hiring at discretion. Facebook is hiring. They got they got a hiring freeze like, or, or or at discretion. They're not hiring. Uh, Uber, you know, like oh, maybe we'll hire. We're probably not. Like big mega cap companies have shut down hiring. And, and you're like, well, why is this a problem? So you've got an enormous, enormous is subjective. You've got a, a good portion of your, your workforce. Like the NASDAQs, you know, like if you ever, if you ever talk to Bill, I want to be in the NASDAQ. Like, you like, like the, the NASDAQ was the, sorry, the growth. Growth and innovation. Yeah. And so um, you have a bunch of workers now that have done a couple things. One. They went to the places and startups where there a lot of their compensation is tied to stock price, stock options. Yep. Yes, and so now they're underwater uh, considerably. And I, I don't say that smile I, like like it's not anything to be happy about. It's just 
that you were counting on this like as part of your compensation and it's not there. And I bring up Bolt in particular because Bolt did something in February. Well, there was an announcement. I think this is Ryan Bresloff. Yeah, Ryan Bresloff, the founder of Bolt. Uh, Ryan Bresloff encouraged his employees to take out loans to accelerate their options. And if you don't understand, it, it, this gets really complicated. He's kind of giving investment advice to his employees. That's well, there's that. But this is something, I, I, if you don't understand what I mean, like you, you get vested over time and you can buy your options. Well, to accelerate that process, to buy your options, because you know when you're in a raging bull market, there are no bad ideas, right? right? When you're in a raging bull market, everything's a good idea. And so um, in February... The old adage, don't confuse genius with a bull market. <laughs> that is an old adage. Um, and so he encouraged his employees, and I believe this is on Twitter. If you look, you go through Ryan Brothers' old tweets. Um, to take out loans to get vested. And look, it's, it's akin to going on margin and staying on margin. So now their option, like they're going to, if they raise again or their valuations pretty much been cut in half and that's what's happening. You don't, you don't see it because they're private companies, but if they want to go raise another round at market prices, they're, they're going to get cut more than in half. Right. And so, and it's why, or the investors are going to want twice as much equity. It, so, yeah, yeah. There's something, yeah, yeah. The, the, this is not a good time to be raising right. money. And so now you've got a group of workers and you're like, well, this is one company. This is happening a lot. And so um, maybe not the loan situation, but the vesting and the, and the options and everything. So now you've got a group of, uh, of employees that actually are in the hole. They owe money on this loan on stock that's stock options that are worthless right now. And why? Why? So, well, well, Tim, just stay there and it'll go back up in price. The only way some of these companies are going back to where they were at the start of this move lower is if there's another injection of QE. There's got to be more money printing at some point to get valuations back up that high. But that applies to Netflix. That applies to potentially Google. Like, like there's got to be, well, shouldn't the companies just come back on sales and earnings? They could, but we've lamented in show 400 and show 401 the percentage gains you need to make to get you back to where you were at the. Like it's not just stock price. You got to think of what the valuation is. The valuation is the number of shares times the price. That's the valuation of the company. And what people are, what, what investors are doing right now is they have walked down the valuation of the biggest part of the market, the most, the most um, sexy part of the market, the market, part of the market that's driven so much growth in valuation. Heck. And so if you're holding on, you know, this isn't, you can't, Wilson, Wilson Phillips might make the show tell. You can't hold on for one more day. Wilson Phillips song, you know, you know what, Danny? Hold on for one more day. I know that things will change if you hold on for one more day. That's a great you don't, you, thank you. You don't yeah. want to do that with stock. Break free from the chains. No, still. That's gonna no. be stuck in my head. All right. Yeah. Well, 
You know, and then they start going, I know someday somebody's going to Now I'm going to have to go wash my stop. ears out with soap. I'm going to have to go wash out my ears out with soap, Don. Well, they do go and, and say Jeez. someday someone's going to turn around and make you cry. Or a blowtorch. <laughs> didn't think it was going to end in torch, but whatever. Way to go, Don. And so, uh, <laughs> did I get, did I get, did I get Hunter? I, I got Danny. Um, I got Hunter. Yeah. So, um, these things have already been walked down and I, I don't know what the right price to sales, the right price to earnings ratio is for these companies. You know, if they started out at an 80 and they didn't, when they walked it down to a 40 and they're still walking it down, I don't know where it ends. And the problem is a company like, so, uh, Zacharuski, have you seen what's happened to snap? Snap down big oh, time this week, right? Yeah. Big, bad, ugly chart. It still has a higher, I believe, price to earnings ratio than Facebook without the earning. Like it still has a higher ratio than Facebook. And Facebook has, you know, like, like serious earnings. They have serious earnings. Not that Snap doesn't, but Snap, Snap has a, a lot of problems. Maybe it's a TikTok problem, but this can go much lower if there's still walking price down like i don't think this is over and the, the problem here is now will this rolling blob of a bear market come for other industries because this has been a big driver of of growth and we've got a i don't know what the number is it's out already the consumer sentiment number is one of the things that i believe is a, le a leading indicator but this is a leading indicator too and so um uh, this is a article. Gas prices have soared so high that they're using the words now, demand destruction. I'm really glad you found this. I found this yesterday and was like, wow, demand destruction in an article on the internet. We were talking about this three yeah, weeks we, ago we, we've on been your talking, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're bringing it out now. It like ahead of our times, right? Um, and so they've done it with, the, according to this article. Now, who knows? Well, it's an article. It must be true. Everything with a grain of salt, folks. And so... Um, have you, this is, we're, because we've been talking about it for so long, is this the start of it? Like, is this, the, is, is gas the first, like, normal part of the economy? Like, tech, you could say, is out on its own island, right? Doing its own thing, generating, met, like, $80,000 every 20 seconds down for Alibaba, which is a technology e-commerce platform. And so you know, I've shown tweets in the last couple of shows about how much Amazon generates. I mean, these are just staggering numbers. But if you cause demand destruction, though all those numbers have to be recalculated and then formulated into what is a quote-unquote fair price for these equities. Yeah. And, and so to say we're there yet, I think is a misnomer. The Fed... The Fed hasn't caused the greatest amount of pain in this economy. Uh, they, they've only raised a couple of times. It's only been a couple of months of not bond bonds. Um, where, where do the layoffs come next? And th there's a bunch here. Um, you know, Bolt, uh, Bolt's laying off. Um, and then there's this too. So... There's a bunch of companies, and this is just one example. Look, there's there's thousands of companies, but there's a lot of these. Companies. 
these businesses in the last 10 years, and Danny has talked about this ad nauseum. We've talked about this ad nauseum. The problem with ZERP, right? Zero rate interest policy or, or close to zero rate interest policy. It's a, it's a, I don't know, it's not a false narrative because it happened for 10 years, right? It, but what happens when the ride ends? So in that decade, you have a bunch of companies that were created basing their metrics on ZERP. You know, like, where else are you going to put your money, Danny? The, the Fed is forcing you into risky assets. Well, what could be more risky than investing in something called GoPub, a delivery company out of Philadelphia, right? Like, we need 10-minute delivery, you know, and, and the metrics don't work. Or, or even, like, a comp- like, I showed a tweet the other day, like, just how much Uber Eats, Uber Eats generates. Like, it's, just, it's, a, it's in the billions per quarter, right? But these businesses aren't profitable. And you, you could, maybe I'll link to this too. I'll, I'll put all the links in that I talk about in the show, uh, in the show notes this week. But, the, the, you know, like the gig economy, uh, with the high gas prices now with rising interest rates, these companies, they're not viable business models. Like when Uber would go into a, um, a, a market, and you can read about this, um, I believe it's also, they made a show about Uber here recently. Anyway. When Uber, Uber and Lyft are dueling it out, right? So what would Uber do to, to squash the taxi, squash any kind of startup? They would subsidize the ride. So if a ride would really... Steal market share, just like Amazon did. For- yeah, yeah. So if a ride really costs $100, you know, Uber would subsidize that ride to make it like 25 in a gross, not Run everybody example. out of business and yep. then start raising prices. But they're finding that, oh, as it turns out, we're just... Going back to the gasoline story, we're just going to stay home. I'm not going to spend 50 bucks to go to the Piggly Wiggly one way. And is it worth the wear and tear and gas on the car? And so there's a whole bunch here. There's a bunch of businesses that are still in business that still have billion plus market caps that probably need to get squeezed. And if anyone, I didn't bring it up, but if anyone has seen the tweet from Elon Musk, it's, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he uses the word fools. A lot of fools got money and some businesses need to go under. Not that Elon Musk is the dean of economics for the world, although on Twitter you would think he He's is. He's pretty damn smart. That's what he summarizes. You can find it if you go to um, tweets and replies on Elon's profile. Uh, he's saying that a lot, of, literally a lot of fools got money that shouldn't have and their businesses are going to go under. And what you at home don't want to be in is the businesses that you have your money trapped in there. And so this all got me thinking. Um, uh, think a lot. Like I'm constantly doing, like there's not a moment. Well, I mean, of course there's moments where I'm not, where I'm not thinking about the show. Um, sometimes I'm thinking about the kids. But like look at Clarna here, Danny. Clarna is buy, uh, not buy one, get one. It's uh, buy now, pay later. They're 17 years they've been in business. They've been able to operate for 17 years because of declining, constant declining interest rates. And it's sh- look at this. Klarna is shit. They've had, they've done layoffs too, by the way. This is, but, but it's in Europe, so we don't care, right? Uh, Klarna is shifting his, that was sarcasm. You guys didn't see my face. <laughs> Literally sarcasm. He had his hand out. It was this whole thing. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is the international sign for sarcasm, right? <laughs> yeah, there right. is a video of a dude dancing at a NOLA uh, Mardi Gras parade. Yeah, yeah. Like doing this move. Yeah. I'm almost sure Hunter's seen the GIF or the meme. 
and it's fantastic. I get mesmerized, mesmerized every time I say it. Anyway, Clara, big layoffs. But this is a problem here for businesses. Like this is a big time problem. Clarinet is shifting its business away from growth and towards short-term profitability. They're, 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 they're literally shifting their business model. It goes like they're going to, sh- they're not going to look long. They're not term. trying to steal market share. They're going to cash flow. They no, got to no, go to cash flow. No, no, survival. No, no, that's well, that you're right. I'm not saying you're not right. What I'm saying is as a business tactical approach, we are no, we are no longer looking at the long term. It's all short term. Eventually that's, that's, that's like a crocodile death roll, Right. Like you just just roll out eventually. Like it, it's not just constantly. Well, the companies that do this first and do this early might be able to survive, whereas the ones that still go for market share and growth could go bankrupt because blue sky is getting squeezed out. Mm-hmm. These market valuations, you say to return to those market valuations, they were sky high to begin with. Now and, they're getting pulled down. And this is the beauty of being a private company. Like if you look at, um, like the only thing that pops in my head here is Berkshire's, the companies that he buys. Like uh, Warren Buffett is famously hands off and just grow like like where where we can where the metrics make sense and we can invest a dollar and get, for example, two or three out. Yeah. Like, let's build a business that's going to be here for 50 years. This is the antithesis of this right here. And so. um, Look at this valuation cut. Look at this. There are 40. They were valued at forty six billion dollars and the valuation is cut somewhere between 20 and 50. And if you invested in these, right? And and look, venture capital is very important to this econ- to to the overall economy. It's how a bunch of companies you know and love got off the ground because banks aren't loaning to high risk things. And so it's all about the credit liquidity, right? Credit. And so then this brings me to uh, what's angering Don. Angering is a strong word. What's bothering Don? A new segment of uh, what's bothering Don, right? And so Don sends over uh, last night, hey, we need to talk about this on the show, and I'll get to what this is here in a minute. And um, I don't really know the person who he sent over is about, so I'm going to let Don, let Don talk to it, and then I've got some, some thoughts to add, and then we'll get into real practical um, processes here in a moment. But Don, uh, Don sent this over, and it's from uh, a Twitter person named Guru Leaks. I, I don't know. We talked last week, and I maybe I maybe I'll be a hypocrite here. We talked last week. Was last week's show about um? Oh, who? JJ Snuffington. The Gerbs. Thank you. The Gerbs. The Gerbs. Like I uh, could not remember that. Um, we talked about Gerber it was like two weeks ago. Was that no? Last Wednesday. It was last Wednesday. It's going to be the show on Wednesday. Really go that fast? Yeah. It, oh right, that's why. Yeah, it's yeah, that's why it seems okay. like two weeks ago. And Don, can you summarize what Gerber told his investors in his GK ETF voice, please? Go to Don. He told them to stop looking at their statements. Are you going to sell your Google here? We're down 36%. I'm sorry. It is what it is. These are good companies. 36%. Did I tell you my mom's look at your statements. $5,000? What, what, what cost $5,000? Don't look at your statements. What cost my Maserati tune-ups cost $5,000. Wow, man. You, I feel like Gerbs walks out of his office and goes, where's all the customer's yachts? <laughs> and so, uh, 
Well, that's but that's what happens. Yeah. And so um, sometimes but this though, latest you, one, he, go ahead, please. He falls into the gross stock charlatans bucket, and they've all been exposed over the last year. And CML Viz, uh, Ophir Gottlieb never missed an opportunity to pump up him or his service when his picks were going higher. But as Guru Leaks called him, the analyst without a stop. And this was the, the thing that they that Guru Leaks reposted was something from uh, a, a subscriber. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Who, I don't know that. Yeah. Who says uh, that he basically wrote a thread, oh, which was a letter to him explaining uh, his perspective and the perspective of uh, a lot of people. Uh, CML Viz likes to tout their quote unquote audited returns, but they stopped doing their audited returns. Uh, and when, and Guru League says when you ask them for the returns, you end up getting blocked, and they showed the block from him. But uh, basically, this guy's top five, top six picks are down anywhere from 60 to 80% over the last year. And not an apology, not i I'm sorry, not, not anything other than it's business as usual. So and this guy basically wrote him a letter explaining to him, yeah, some people that got in five years ago are probably still up on their positions, but there are a lot of subscribers like me who got, got in and saw that there was still buy recommendations on all of these positions and no change on the buy recommendations the whole way down. And people have been just a lot of their portfolios put their trust in this guy and they've just been devastated. So, um, so the analyst without a stop is a, a good way to, to describe him. And that's why we put so much focus on risk management here at I, Revere because other people don't. Uh, so, so I'd like to make a couple points. So the bottom line is when, when we're in a primary uptrend, the market's going higher, growth stocks are in, that's where you want to be. Growth is a place to be. But when you're pulling back or you're in a bear, now, technically the S&P isn't in a bear market. It went intraday. It got down 20%, but it closed down like 19.7 or something. It didn't quite hit the technical, the classical definition of a bear market. But the bottom line is when, when you have an environment like that, they're nuclear waste. You don't want the high growth, high beta tech stocks when, the, when, you're, when you're in a slowing economy. That's what blues, the blue sky is getting wrung out. And, and, and the problem with these growth guys is their growth all the time, no matter what. Every, it's like the hammer and nail story. Everything looks like a nail to the hammer. Everything looks like a growth stock. Sometimes you want growth stocks. Sometimes you don't want growth stocks. So this is a true story. My early career in 1999, early 2000, I was interviewing Art Bonell. He was the, he, it was Bonell Growth Fund. And he was a darling of Wall Street. He was based out of Salt Lake City. And he had Dell stock and AOL and WorldCom and all these high flyers of the 90s. And I was doing a radio interview with him. And I was young and, 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 and so we went to break and he leaned over to me and said, Danny, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I just got $30 million, $40 million of new money in the last couple, three weeks. And I said, well, Art, that sounds like a good problem to have. Why, why, why is that a bad problem to have? He goes, you don't understand. I've got to go invest that money right now with these prices. Basically, he was telling me he knew damn good and well these prices this is right before the tech wreck. The market was way overvalued, way too high. And he, because he's got a fund that's got to be fully invested, he had to take that money and go buy stocks when he knew damn good and well they were way too high, even though 
in his own account, he was probably selling. And see, that's the problem when you don't have these people aligned. A lot of these, quote, managers, their client is the fund, whether it's a hedge fund or the, or the, or the mutual fund or the ETF. It's their, it's, that's what they have to manage to, the prospectus. You think you're the client. You're the cattle. He's the roper. You, it, it, so the fund may be good, like Kathy Wood's ARC funds. They're good when the market's going up and growth stocks in vogue, but when they're not, they're nuclear waste. You got to get out of the way. So the problem is it's your job as an investor to know when to buy and sell that fund or at least get someone, hopefully a fiduciary that's fee-based only, that, that can do that for you with the sell right. discipline. So what's interesting here is I, I set the show up in a way, it's very hard to keep a show organized like this. It's a, it's a house of cards in my brain. And so I'm building upon things that we say earlier in the show to bring them out now. And so I showed you that Jack Ma tweet a few moments ago, well, probably 20 minutes ago, I think a few moments ago in my head, uh, making, you know, like if I say, hey, a business is making $80,000 20, every 20 seconds, it's a great business. And Hunter's like, dude, it's down 20% this year. 20% isn't like Snowflake, Palantir. PayPal, uh, stuff. Uh, but this is, uh, and I don't know uh, Ophir. I don't. Even, I don't know his service, right? Like I've I've got a little experience with the Gerbs until uh, he blocked me like <laughs> five six years ago. Like, but I, I don't engage with people on Twitter anymore. It's just not worth my time. Uh, but this is. I want to show you this because this what Ophir's doing here, in my opinion, and I could be wrong. But I don't think I am because I've been around the block. Is the same thing that investors at home do when they're trying to justify what they're holding on to. Okay. Question. Software company, $189 million in annual return, like ARR, okay? 80% gross, like, like all these great numbers, right? Surely you'd want this business, and they're getting, and so this is an old sales tip. And like, if you ever read, um, I don't, I don't even know where I figured this. I heard this from, but or read it. Like, you try to get people to say yes, right? Like, you get them nodding. The only thing I don't want to use cards, but like, anytime you're in a sales situation, that you know the customer, you want them to say affirmative and, and agree. Yeah, yes. yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. And 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 of course, this is what Ophir's doing. And apparently Ophir, this is only 23 hours ago, so within the last day. Apparently Ophir is coming under some fire for, and I'll, I want to make sure I say this now. Don said it. Danny said it. I want to make sure it's clear as day. You have to have a cell discipline. And I'm going to show you mine, and I've done this in the past, but just in case, I'm going to show you mine. I'm going to have Don show you his and Hunter talk about his. I'll give you practicality here. But you can't just buy stock because someone who's got audited returns and you trust him. And I know it's too late for a bunch of folks, right? But it's not too late for a bunch of other folks. And so that's why we talk about these things. There's no position we ever enter. So what separates us from uh, Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch, Citigroup, any of them, the strip mall advisor next to the vape shop? It doesn't matter who they are. If you're doing business with them, what makes them exit the mutual fund? What makes them exit the ETF? The individual stocks they have. What, what is the sell 
plan for each individual position. And you need to call your people this week. It's a long weekend. Call them. Like we answer the phones on the weekends. Hopefully your person does too. And if they can't answer those questions, I personally would be concerned That's a red flag. for you because you've seen me highlighted in, in, in two shows now. I don't want to do it again. If this is truly like a 1999, 2001, and nothing's exact, but history does rhyme, you've got like 30 more percent to go down in the, in the NASDAQ. Another 25, 30 percent in the SPs. Like this isn't done. But we won't know till we get there. Well, what if you're wrong, Tim? I'm going to show you that if I'm wrong, my process for getting back in. Like, this, we don't have opinions that are set in stone. This isn't Excalibur. Hell, even that stupid sword came out of the rock, right? Sounds like a dumb movie I had to watch as a kid. I don't know why. But, like, even that thing came out of the rock. Like, like the sword had a change of opinion. It's like, I'm in this rock, and, man, it sucks here. I'm going to come out and go, that dude seems to be having some fun. Let's go in his, let's do what he's doing. What did, Excal- what did that guy do? Like, kill people? Was he Conan? King Arthur. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So anyway, like even Excalibur had uh, a move on from change that analogy. That analogy makes <laughs> that no damn sense. I get, I get, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. So we don't set opinions. It's just, it's not even opinion. It's just what the hell is happening. You don't want to defend price. No. These things are not, they're not my, you know, I love and that's them. what these guys are doing. They're yes. defending price. They're defending. All right, let's get into showing how we do it. Hold on. This is the reason why we're the number one rated podcast in this office building. <laughs> Connecticut School of Broadcasting. <laughs> what, what happens is people do this. We'll go, look at your screen some more. Like he's, he's doing it with multiple companies here, and it's, it's, a, it's kind of a bummer. And this, to me, smells of desperation. Like, I don't have a plan. He thinks he owns good businesses. But good businesses in the public markets are only defined by the price you paid for them. And right now, the market's telling you that prices are probably, probably still too high. Okay. So now, getting into the practicality. And then we'll get Don's, Don's process and we'll get Hunter's process if it differs much from Don. But we'll let them uh, speak for themselves. So I, it all starts with like, well, where do the ideas come from? Like you, and you can have your favorite stock. I talked about this on my Wednesday night video. But you can have your favorite stock. I've screened here for Summer Romance. Uh, Summer Romance was a class I taught like three or four years ago now. And it was uh, 5 over 21. Weekly. It wasn't a summer fling, which is a hookup. It was a romance. We're going to take some healthy things out. Right. Yeah. It was like uh, Zuko. And, oh, my uh, God. I was going to say, it's like Danny Zuko and yeah, Sandy man. from Greece. Yeah, that's oh, exactly what ah, it is, right? time in the studio. Oh, my did. gosh. We're like, <laughs> like twinsies, man. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like Danny Zuko. Oh, no. And so, yeah, like, you're like, we're summer loving. Don loves that soundtrack. I can imagine Don just listening to the Grease soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I believe You know it. what? I am a Grease fan. Hey. Oh, now that was a shocker. That was the biggest surprise <laughs> yeah, for me of the day. Can you also, that, can you Mr. All, Kiss uh, loves Greece. Man. Can you also get uh, Don in a uh, T-Bird's jacket? Yeah, I just, you. I just think he thought that uh, Olivia Newton-John was hot. That's well, why I think I he liked the show. That was exactly why. I, I tell you what, when I was in high school, she, I, I had a little crush yeah, on her. Hey, Frankie little... Avalon singing Beauty School Dropout. My oh, gosh. my goodness. What a, what a movie. Okay, so I, I want to see... Price momentum. And I covered this ad nauseum. I'll put the link to it in the Wednesday night video. I want to see that, hey, I might like 
whatever these stocks are right now, this is my world of stocks where I've got price momentum and I cover where I want to buy them. But I put Tesla up here on the screen and I so use your price momentum watch list. Yeah. And and like, well, you could add fundamental screens to it to find the most fundamental. You can do all that, whatever your rigor is. But I don't want to buy something if the market hates it. Sure. Because the the market's in control. And so I. If you got too many on the watch list, you got to tighten your parameters to winnow it down. Right. And well, and you could even do this with just like one stock. Like, dude, I like Tesla. Okay, great. Well, is Tesla a buy here? No. Not not based on what I'm looking for. I want price momentum. Like I got down here in April of 2020. I got the five weekly coming across the eight weekly, and I did the whole drill and how much you would make, and it, and, and it adds up to a considerable percent. But more importantly, more importantly, I want to know where to sell. I want to because if I'm wrong, right? If I'm wrong, period. I want to know where to get out. So, or if I've had a big, if you're wrong on the way up, you just make less money. If you're wrong on the way down, you get creamed. That's exactly it. Like right here, the five weekly comes through the eight weekly and great. I sell it. And maybe I bought it over here when the five weekly came through. And it's like not that big of a gain. It's like only four, maybe 5%, but it's sure of a hell of a lot better than riding. Look at this, right? Did, did you ride from the peak to where we are now? 46% down Elon talking about this you go to elon's twitter feed it's amazing he's talking about yeah we're down 46 percent, whatever like he's just it's just fact of life and that's when someone asks him a question <laughs> well when you were 200 billion and it goes to 110 billion yeah. you're still never eating dog food no it's not like you got a one million dollars going to half a million understood <laughs> and so but but this is the thing like you don't have to eat like the cost of admission to the stock market isn't you at home eating a 50 percent loss in the positions you buy there's actually a way to sell them. But if you listen to Edward Jones, Merrill Lynch, Citigroup, dude next to the vape shop, you would never know that because when they buy something, we're buying a piece of the business. And no, you're not married to these things. You're barely even dating. You're just giving them a carpool ride somewhere, man. Well, a perfect example is with your example of Amazon making whatever $80,000 every 20 minutes. I don't think they pay a dividend. So you don't get any piece of that 80000 You don't get any cash flow from that. It's only what you bought for it and what you paid for it. And, and that's why you got to separate Main Street from Wall Street, so, the stock price from the business. So it's Bill O'Neill who taught me. want to buy on the fundamentals and technicals, and you sell only on the technicals. You at home, listen to me. Listen to me now and believe me later. You at home <laughs> cannot hold stocks on the fundamentals. Fundamentals lie. The that fundamental, is so important. So important. The, the, the absolutely right. most one of the most important concepts. And you're 100 percent right. Well, it's not only that. When the market cr- goes down hard, yeah. even great stocks go down. It does, Fundam- the fundamentals it, it, they're they're manipulated. You don't know who's reporting. I know they tell you, but look, I can't tell you which companies use GAP and non-GAP. <laughs> I mean, it's a big it's, difference. It's kind of weird when they have to adjust back to gap. Well, wait a minute. Why are you? Right. And you're going to see a lot of that. We got our too. marketing accounting, then we got our gap accounting. And, <laughs> and so when you, you can't hold on the fundamentals, because what happens is you're going to get destroyed in your retirement account. If you're, and I say, well, Tim, I, a lot of people, look, we are such a small, like we're so uh, a minority in this 
way of thinking. The way that we manage money, yes. Yeah. That it's not common sense. And so if you... Well, yeah. they've been trained, Pavlov's dog. They've been, oh, buy right. and hold through thick and thin, pie right. chart, diversification. The, the, you're going, it's a knife fight. You're going to, you're, it's not always going to work out. But the cost of admissions to the markets isn't getting shellacked 50%. And it never has to be. But the only people you're ever introduced to are what Danny affectionately calls money gatherers. They're money whores. And all their, the people at... Uh, Boy, let me not use names associated with the words money and whore. But the people at your strip mall advisor next to the vape shop, they always employ something called plausible deniability. They've got you put in funds that they get kickbacks on most of the time. And then, and when, and when the, and when, thank you. And when the price, when, when it's not working out for you, what they do is they say, well, we'll fire that manager and I'll get you in a new fund. Hence, plausible deniability. It's never their fault. There's a reason why you're never in cash when you're at the strip mall advisor. Because they don't get paid when you're in cash. They get, paid, they get paid trailers and what's known as 12B1 fees when they keep you in certain mutual funds and they sold you certain bonds. And let me tell you, you're feeling a world of mother hump and hurt right now because of this. This is why I hate this industry. Because they don't know the word sell. Because... The 12B1 fees and the trailers need to go the F away. Because if you, listen, folks, if your parents and your brother and sister have an advisor, they call them up this week and say, I want to know what your 12B1 fees are. I want to know what the trailers are in the mutual funds you've got me placed in. And if you get studied, you leave. Now, we have open arms. But if you don't want to come to us, <laughs> completely understand. But you need to ask these hard questions because the truth, you may not like it, but it will set you free. Don, what's your process for buying, selling, uh, and continuing to hold equities or ETFs? It's, it's completely based first on risk management. So we, everything that we buy, we give a proprietary rating to. That factors in its, uh, first of all, what's going on with the overall market? What's going on with the sector that the stock is in? and how volatile the overall stock is that we want to enter. So we look at the ATR, we look at the beta, we, we calculate volatility and we back into how what size position can we buy so that if we're wrong, we never lose more than 0.2% of overall equity on any one particular position. And if that position stop, uh, starts working, we add to it. Basically, we do something called financing our risk. As we make gains, we'll take more risk uh, based on the profits that we're showing. And if our stock gets hit, our stock gets hit, we're, we're out across the board. Um, we track some, we track the overall risk to the portfolio at all times so that we know what our downside is. And um, we just repeat the process over and over again. And it, the, the market has a lot to do, has, has everything to do with how much uh, exposure we're gonna take to the market and when we're wrong, we won't stay wrong. Case in point, yesterday, uh, 4050 was a big resistance area on the S&P. We went short there. Uh, it broke through it, and we the short is gone now. We, we just took it off this morning because we were wrong. We ended up losing 1.2% uh, on that position, actually 1.6% on that position. But at a 10% size, the hit to the portfolio is 0.16%. So it's within our maximum threshold. Uh, and as the market has gone up and broke through 
we put a lot of faith in what's going on with the 21-day exponential moving average, both on the indexes and on individual positions. And above there, uh, it's considered healthy. And the more stocks, the more indexes, the more sectors we see breaking above there, it gives us more confidence to add to our positions. And we started taking some longs uh, near the close yesterday. We added to uh, one of them at least today. Today's not over yet. And we're just monitoring price, uh, monitoring progress, both to the upside and the downside. If the stops get hit, we sell. If we keep making progress, uh, at some point, we're going to have to decide where to sell winning positions. So there's something called defensive selling and there's something called offensive selling. Offensive selling is if you get too far extended, you go too far too fast, it's not likely you're going to maintain that pace. And we always like to lock some in uh, at that point. We, we, we did a lot of that during uh, this most recent period. FCG was one. It was um, That's a diversified oil stock. It got extended. We took profits. It continued to go higher. But when something's up five days in a row, you're going to see regression in the mean at some point, and we don't want to give that back, especially in a market like this, where the only success that we've had has been buying the bottom of the range and selling near the top of the range. And it, it's just a process. We've got a strict set of rules for every set of markets we're in, for every um, uh, we risk manage everything, and, and we just let the process take care of itself. We know we're going to be wrong about half the time, but those times that we're wrong are going to be cut small and the times that we're right more than make up for it because we've got a two to one ratio on our overall gain versus our overall loss. So to, from, some, from some standpoint, there's, there's, it's just a math equation involved. You need to, you're going to break even on your buys and sells, but your buys are going to make twice as much as your losses. Your account balances are going to go up. Hunter, and that's kind of the approach in a nutshell. Hunter, anything different from that? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, Don, Don covered it, you know, in, in great detail. I think if it just from a very simple perspective, take into account the volatility and the risk of the individual stock or ETF or whatever it is that you're looking at, you know, that some stocks, a bad day is down 3%. Some stocks, a bad day is down 12%. So you got to factor that in when you're sizing a trade or making a decision. And a lot of what Don's talking about there um, is alluding to that. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's it boils down to a lot of what Don said. And, you know, you you want to risk half a percent on each trade in your portfolio. OK, well, you can size in accordance with that. You can use bib levels, moving averages, horizontal support levels, whatever you want to size that trade. The hardest thing sometimes is sticking to your stop because you're like, oh, it's, you know, it's just 1% below. It'll come back. And the next thing you know, it's snowballed and it's 5% below your stop. And you're, you know, that sometimes is something that's hard for people. I've had that issue, you know, at times is, oh, it's just right there below my stop. And then you blink your eyes and it's accelerated to the downside. So more often than not sticking to your stop uh, behooves you. And if it goes, if it, if it blows through your stop, and ultimately find some support and comes back up, you know, through a key point or through a, uh, an entry point doesn't mean you can't buy it back. So that's really, that's all I have to add. Don did a very good job. I'd like to add one thing. So I got my Don interpreter on and my Hunter interpreter on, and I just want to highlight a couple of things because Don made a couple of very salient points and I don't want to go over some of the people. I mean, just, I don't want it to go away. So first of all, you have to identify the market you're in. So if you're in a very healthy 
strong uptrend, you can be a little bit more liberal with your stops and you can be, you know, a little more generous, a little more forgiving, if you will. You can also use larger position sizes per each position. Okay. In this type of market, we're using smaller position sizes because it's, it's very volatile. And then, and then he'll leg into it. So he'll do a 2% position like he did yesterday with three different positions. And then he added another 2% today on one and maybe add to the other two. So that's the first thing. So the market you're in, the overall market you're in, will determine how to do the risk management. You'll, you'll have to adjust the dials or the parameters that you're looking at, okay? And then two, on individual positions, Hunter was kind of alluding to the fact that, you know, depending on the volatility of the stock, you'll have to set your um, stop level below that stock accordingly. A stock that's less volatile, you'll have a tighter stop a stock that's more volatile, you'll have a wider stop so you don't get um, stopped out in just daily movement. But number two, you adjust your position size. So for a much more volatile stock that's got also a lot more upside, you may take a, a three-quarter size or a half a size compared to a less volatile stock. And what you're doing is you're making those stocks, I don't want to say equivalent, but all, fairly equivalent in the portfolio. So that they're, they, you, you got 10 different positions and they all will kind of have a more equal effect. The one thing that I see, uh, Don, uh, guys, in, in when I see a person's statement, and if you got any questions on this, reach out to me and I'll, I'll, I'll explain all this in more detail and we'll get Don or Tim or Hunter on the phone and, and we can explain this in great detail. But when I see uh, 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 portfolios, I'll see someone's account and say it's a half a million and they'll have literally $40,000 of one stock. 5,000 of another, 3,000 of another, and then and they got all these different sizes. And I'll go, how did you do that? Well, I just, because they bought them a long time ago. Some really, really grew and they never touched them. Some were dogs and should have been cut a long time ago, but there was no management. And so they got kind of out of whack. You know, my own father, uh, when I took over his account, he had all these different sizes. I mean, literally ten, thousands of dollars difference in sizes. I said, Dad, what are these different sizes? He goes, oh, well, that's how much cash I had when I wanted to go buy a stock. That's how much cash I had in the account. So I just bought that stock. Well, there's no risk management there. So you've got to do it mathematically and systematically, and you can't argue with price. So um, I'll tell you what. Uh, let's do this. I'm going to go to Hunter in a second and get his list for this week. What, what Hunter's looking at. Real quick, as I go to my screen, um, so we'll do – over the weekend, it, you're, look, we answer the phones on the weekends. And if you're on a connected device listening to us, uh, go to Revere Asset. All you have to do is hit the little phone button, and you're going to get connected uh, right to go to uh, About and Strategy. Uh, so you go to Revere Asset, go to About Strategy. You can do a couple things. Go to hit, the, hit the phone button, and you're going to get Dan. Dan's going to answer the phone, and he's going to talk. You can look at the portfolios, uh, the one, the couple that we run here, or the four that we run. And then here's our information. You're more than welcome to reach out to us. We're going to get back to you. And so, uh, look. We sorry, talk. sorry, Tim, let me interrupt. I just want to be clear about something. Yeah. I, I, I mentioned that you know, your portfolio balance will go up. We're not magicians. We're down for the year. We're down 6% for the year. Uh, the market's down a lot worse. But we've been able to recognize that the market was unhealthy. They, you know, There's a saying in Wall Street, they don't ring a bell at the top. 
they also don't ring a bell at the bottom, but we follow a philosophy that they do ring a bell at the 200 day moving average. And if you break that on the indexes, that's a big red flag that risk is substantially picked up at that point. And the reason for that is that uh, fund managers defend stocks and the indexes at that key area. And if you break that area, then there's something wrong with the stock, something wrong with the economy that's going to impact the overall index. And it's just best to get out of the way. I, I did a bear market webinar on this. And the average drawdown from the top to when you break the 200-day moving average is about 12%. A 12% drawdown in your account is very manageable, not difficult to come back from that. It's when you get down to 25 30 35% that you're really in the hole. Your mental capital is hit as bad as your uh, monetary capital is. And there's just a time not to be a hero. And under the 200-day moving average is that time. That's a, a big red flag, a big ringing bell when you break that. And we manage to that uh, here at Revere. Okay. Uh, Don, what, what are the S&P and NASDAQ roughly down for the year? Right, down, right now, the S&P is down about 14%. The NASDAQ's down around 23%. The Dow's down around 10%. Uh, and small caps are down around 16%. So two, two points, and then Hunter, I'm coming to you. Um, I just want to finish. Get a hold of us. We don't have a sales pipeline. We don't advertise. We're never going to call you again. If you call or email, tweet, text, whatever your method of communication is, you will not hear from us again. <laughs> like That's the beauty of what we do. Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not the auto company trying to get you into a, a warranty that calls 20 different times from 20 different companies. If you have a question or like, I want to know more about this selling that you talk about, or would you look at my statements, please, and, tell, and analyze the stocks? We'll do that for you, and you'll never hear from us again. It's only that you want to hear from us. That's number one. Um, number two, a lot of the, I think what a lot of folks are going to suffer from is Fed overhang. So in 2020, when people were down 30 and 35%, the Fed came in and just took care of it. They spent trillions. Well, they did. They, yeah, they just took care of it, and they like like Thanos snapped his fingers, and uh, the problem went away. I don't think the problems went away with Thanos snapping his fingers, but you get what I'm saying. There is no Fed put right now. They have to. They have to create so much destruction. I mean, imagine the destruction the Fed has to create before they come in to print money again. Please, dear Lord. Don't hang on for that. I'm not saying it's awful out there, but if you're already down, if you're already down 20% in your portfolio, and the Fed really, we, we're, we're, the, we're in, the, we just got to the stadium. We, we're, we're about to start the first inning of this. We haven't even gotten going yet. My goodness. This can get a hell of a lot worse. Well, here's one thing I'm also kind of concerned about is, the real estate market is still holding up. It's starting to roll over in a few more, uh, some more, a lot of markets, but it hadn't done it in Texas yet. Now, so pending home sales is down 3.5% in April. Okay. New home sales is down 16.6%. Analysts were only expecting, the estimates were for 1.7 negative. So new home sales went way down. Right. Now, the one thing that makes me, I'm concerned about is, I'm worried that some people will go, oh, you know what? I'm going to take money 
out of my stock accounts and I'm going to move it to real estate because real estate's still good. It might be just in the early innings of starting to roll over and it's illiquid. So you can't get out real quick like you can with right. a brokerage account. Yep. So, I'm with you. so I'm just, I'm just wanting to point that out. Too. I'm with you. Hunter, what you got, man? Yeah, man, I've got some, uh, some different type of names today. <clears throat> just a small list here of five different stocks, but all of these are on the slow burner, slow grinder, uh, probably not on as many people's radars uh, compared to a lot of the stocks that we talk about and most everybody talks about. So first name in this list of five is J&J, Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, they got a good balance sheet. So we've seen some of these healthcare companies act pretty well over the course of this year. It kind of alternates as to which ones are showing the most strength at any given time. But uh, the, the big thing here on these five charts that I'm about to go through is they're all pretty constructive looking setups. Uh, even though the, the S&P, you know, is below all of its key moving averages for the most part. I know it's below the 200, below the 50 is what I mean. Uh, but these charts have the moving averages for the most part in the right order. So J&J, uh, nice little consolidation here. Also trying to turn the highs from back in August of last year, I believe, uh, into a support area. So I'm not sure if you can see that on your chart, Tim. Yeah, I'll um, give it up for you. you might be on a weekly or you're on a daily. Yep. So right there, go, going back to last August, that's kind of where it's battling at now uh, and just trying to stay above the, the 21, the 50 and the eight all right there, right on top of each other on J&J. So a healthcare name that looks pretty good. A chemical name that looks pretty good is D-O-W Dow. Uh, this has a nice little pattern as well. It has a cup uh, pattern recognition on it. You can go look at this in MarketSmith on a weekly or a daily. Uh, but it's just been kind of digesting here at all or at 52 week highs. Excuse me. I'm not 100% sure if it is all time highs, but uh, digesting nicely and kind of a similar look, at least recently, to what we see with Johnson and Johnson trying to turn what was previous resistance for the better part of the last eight or nine months, which was that 65 level, trying to turn that into support so that it can make a run at that 71, that 71.86 pivot you see there. Uh, but some positive action from a lot of chemical names. This is one of the ones that's lesser talked about. It's also a slower mover for the most part, but a decent setup here on this one as well. The next one, Tim, Crown Castle, CCI. These are notorious for sharp sell-offs and recoveries, uh, this group in general. Um, AMT is the other big name in the space. But what I want to point out here is a swift and strong recovery back above the moving averages. And then the last two days prior to today, uh, just kind of digesting the strong move back up through the moving averages and then some nice follow through today. Uh, this is not a bad looking chart either. One of those um, REIT type of names. This one is involved in the uh, telecommunications area of that market, but a decent looking chart here on Crown Castle. Again, another slower type of name. And then last two are in the same space, Tim. We've talked about them a few times. Um, RSG being the first, this is Republic Services Group. You can see the RS line on this one, if you look at it, MarketSmith has been angling up pretty much since February, uh, showing nice relative strength versus the market, but this is a more defensive name. But again, this is a, a pretty decent setup. And the other name, Tim, is Waste Management. They look very similar. Waste Management's a little bit closer to the moving averages and whatnot. Again, these are not the barn burner types of names. These are not growth stocks. Uh, to Dan's point earlier, these are more defensive, stable, 
relatively fair uh, valuation names um, that are possibly at, at reasonable entry points potentially, especially Dow, J&J, uh, RSG, and WM, CCI a little bit more extended on a short-term basis. But that's my, five, my list of five slower names uh, that all have pretty decent looking charts and decent setups potentially. That's all I got today, Tim. Awesome. And Don, uh, who does the 21 over 21, uh, Dirty 30, uh, Fantastic 40. There's a bunch of lists Don does, but he does the Friday <laughs> video. That's the most important thing uh, that he works on. And so uh, every Friday night you find it, Revere Asset, uh, Tomorrow's Insights, and then you just uh, you toggle between Tomorrow's Insights or Podcast, Tomorrow's Insights, and then you just scroll. It'll be the first video here that you'll see, and that's Don's sojourn into the weekend and so with three-day weekend there's a lot of content for you to consume if you haven't been uh, following along i talked about the three podcast episode 400 401 now 402 and then don's uh video uh that's going to occur tonight so don what you got i i want to uh, have a quick discussion with you tim because you know i hate hyperbole and uh clickbait and one word that triggers me is the word crash because they have, because, but I want to clarify something. I imagine that my definition of crash could be very different from your definition of crash. And crash was in the title of your video on Wednesday. Can mm -hmm. you define for people reading that what, what you consider a crash? Sure. I had this conversation with somebody else and it ended up that my definition of crash was just substantially different from theirs. Yeah. And um, I, want, I want to hear what you think. A crash has already occurred in the tech sector. And so. I think that a crash is coming. So what, what was the title? Let's just look at it real quick. Um, a crash hinges on this chart. And so what that chart is, um, it's by the end of the video, if you haven't seen it, by the end of the video, I've built you up with, it, with my thought process of what, I, what the dollar, if the dollar does some, I'll show you at the end of the, today's podcast too. If the dollar does X, I believe it's going to trigger this chart into and it's not zoomed in um well you know what i'll put this chart again in the in the show links and you can manipulate it down here where i'm sliding the bar um when credit comes down because of tightening that freezes out everyday consumers and i've referred to this as the earlier in the show the moving blob so crash to me is what's taken place already in tech Credit were to dry up a little bit, I believe it's coming for the rest of the market. Maybe not energy. Like, there'll, there'll be a couple sectors, right? But it's going gonna, it's gonna to come for everybody. And we can't bottom, I don't believe we can bottom, until it does come for everybody. We're going to be in this state of purgatory. So crash, um, to answer Don's very specific question, what does crash mean to me? The devastation that's already happened in stock prices in tech. Now you're getting the layoffs, which is going to affect consumer sentiment, which is going to affect buying or consumer driven. It's like economy. a domino effect. Yeah, it's a whole domino effect. And I believe that, and it's a big if. I mean, I, I, again, I, I could be wrong. I'm not married to this, but it's what appears to be setting up that if the, do the dollar is finding support at high prices, if the dollar escalates higher or just reverts back, you probably start seeing credit tightening up and it probably coincides with lower consumer confidence. And you just don't recover from that overnight. 
Like it's 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 it. What's the scene from Austin Powers? I don't know which one. There's like a gazillion movies of Austin Powers. I like three. Three. Oh, okay. So it's the steamroller scene where he's about to get run over, but it's in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Like we've been talking about what's happening, Danny, for what seems like forever, and now it's happening. It's not instantaneous, and so that's why you, you want to like we focus all the time on the charts. You never see our faces on the videos. You all, like during the five days a week. The charts are what we want you to pay attention to. Like, we're not the stars. Like, we're not the most important thing here. It's the charts and being able to understand the charts. So five days a week, you get nothing but the charts. In this one elongated video or, or audio uh, format, you get, you get elegant, simplistic discussion around what's happening. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. We try to explain things in a fashion that everybody can understand them. Because sounding smart isn't our modus operandi sounding <laughs> sounding what you should be thinking about you know is our modus operandi and so a crash might be um to some people i think yelling crash sounds like yelling fire in a movie theater mm-hmm. and that's not what i'm doing because i i um well that's not my intent but a lot of more people are worried about it now because now you see hashtag stock market crash on twitter you see the recession word being thrown out. I mean, it's the probabilities have, are getting higher that we and they just get look. To, it's two two quarters of um, continuous decline in GDP. They revised the first quarter estimates again, or uh, they revised quarter one again down another ten. Two quarters of negative GDP. Ta- two quarter, thank you. Two quarters of negative GDP. Uh, whatever I said is two quarters of negative GDP. So quarter one's already been down. And it's like, okay, let's wait, wait for the revision, and maybe they revise it higher, and it's really not as bad as it sounds. No, it's, it was worse. And, well, the market didn't crash. The market didn't crash. Yeah, it's the market. Like, I, this isn't a tomorrow thing. This is something that if you, what the picture I'm building is, if your stocks are 25 or 30% underwater, and you're holding on for them to get back, you have to understand what gets your stock back to its previous valuation to where you purchased it from. Well, even more, even just as important, people have to realize just because your stock's down 25% doesn't mean it can't go down another 20. Everybody goes, oh, well, I've already lost money. Now I can't sell now. Right. And so it's not. You got to look forward and say, what does a chart tell you right now? And you got, sometimes you got to rip the bandaid off and move forward. You can't just. And hope it, is not a good... And it's hard. And you just started to allude to it. You didn't use the word crash, but you're like, is this going to come for the housing market? Right. And if they tighten credit, and how do they tighten credit? They, they start removing more and more dollars from the system. They haven't removed dollars from the system in, in eons. They're removing dollars from the system. That's going to tighten credit. That, my friend, will cause... Eventually, this whoosh, it'll feel like a crash. And if our, our strategies and our words, you don't just preemptively sell. You have to have a trigger event, right? Just like we don't preemptively buy. Like, we think this is going to happen. No, we wait to see price confirm. And then once you get confirmation, so a crash hinges on this chart. Yeah, until you start seeing on liquidity. Yes. Or lack thereof. And, and what I believe is going to get you there is, you know what, I'll just do it right now, and then we, we'll do it, John. 
like what I believe is going to get you there is this, is um, DXY. And so uh, I don't say crash tomorrow, crash Tuesday of next week. I say that the dollar on a daily chart is at support. And this is a big line of support. Doesn't mean it can't go. If it goes lower, you'll see equity prices go higher. It, the pressure is being relieved a little bit. But if the dollar, on a, and I like to look at the dollar, I look at it daily, but if this dollar comes back, <coughs> this is, we're at 101.80. If the dollar comes back and sniffs these highs, or, dear Lord, takes them out, they've already taken down one part of the market. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to come for the other. There's no safety in stocks. When people tell you, I'm diversified, <coughs> that's just a fancy way of saying I'm about to get screwed a different way. There's a million ways to lose money in the market. Diversification just happens to be one. Danny, in 2008, what did diversification do for you? Uh, well, the S&P was down 42%. The NASDAQ was down around 50 Smalls were down <coughs> 60 and and bonds. emerging markets were down 70. Even bonds were down except for investment grade were down a little less. Treasury bonds were positive. Gold and treasuries right. were the only thing to hold. And so if you had a blended mix, you still lost 35% or so. Right. And so. That's depend- with bonds. Depending upon where you're at. We've covered this like in two other shows like recently. Depending upon where you're at in the cycle. Like you talk about sequence of returns. Don, talk about Depending upon where you're at in your life cycle, do you have the X number of months, years, or decades for it to come back? So if you have a, whether it's a $100,000 portfolio, a million-dollar portfolio, it doesn't matter. But if you lose 40% of that, how long did it take you to get that 40%? Well, and listen, the liquidity was very, so you hear the pundits talk about uh, the last 10 times the yield curve became inverted. Seven of those times you had a bear market, right? Well, actually, the three times you didn't, there wasn't a liquidity squeeze. The seven times you did, there was a liquidity crisis. Liquidity dried up. So every major bear market, you have a liquidity problem. In fact, in the late 70s, when they first started raising interest rates, they were raising rates but they were still throwing money out of airplanes and they did the, there was still tons of liquidity. Volcker came in and said, not only am I going to raise rates, he sucked money out of the banking system behind the scenes, which was what the fir- previous guy didn't have the heart to do. This is why I've been, been on the record here saying, uh, uh, not, uh, what's his name, Powell, he's kind of boxed in a corner. He's going to have to raise rates at least one more time just to save face. So he didn't have to do an about face too quickly, but he could raise rates a couple times, but still in the behind the scenes, start injecting money back in. He has been pulling it out. That's how you'll know if he's lying, if the free sure. reserves go up. So I, I crash isn't tomorrow. I'm, I'm trying to get people to just pay attention right now. Look at these. Look at these things. Monitor them, and you got to do what's right for you. But um, you know, God bless. I don't begrudge anybody who's who's probably going to get re- who's about to get relief from. It looks like they're going to probably go through with um, tuition um, forgiveness. Forgiveness, probably to the tune of ten thousand. Mm-hmm. That in itself is inflationary. 
it's going to inject money right back into the market because it's money now that a large swath of people have to spend. I don't begrudge that. I'm not angry about it. I, like, I don't have an opinion about that. Like, it's good personally, right, if someone benefits from that. But that's not going to relieve the pressure on JPEG. It's not. Like the UK just yesterday, put they, they're, they're giving energy relief to citizens, and they slapped a major tax one time on uh, the energy companies themselves. They make them pay, you know. And, and, but it's the economic policy that's got us to this point. Not not the greedy bastard energy company. It's economic policy. It's the economic policies that got us in this mess to begin with right. and created the bubble to begin before that. Right. And so eventually, though, and, and someone might say out there, well, Tim, what would cause the roving blob, as you call it, to come for high-quality stocks that are holding up? What would cause, you know, let's use uh, Hunter stock, J&J. What would cause J&J to go down precipitously? It isn't because J&J is bad. Or people aren't buying band-aids. And there's the other, no liquidity. It's because there's, there's monetary needs that need to be met in other places. And when you have to sell to raise cash, you sell everything. And when that moment happens, that people have to raise cash, and I'm not talking like you and I, I'm talking these big, huge funds. When they have to start selling to meet their liquidity demands for redemptions, Margin calls. There's a whole host of things that they're going to have to meet uh, uh, liquidity uh, answers for. You'll see the high-quality J&Js, waste managements, republics, uh, just sink. We haven't had that moment. So that I'm sorry, Don, long answer, but um, I thought it was worth uh, explaining. So my definition of a crash, and there's is, and there's only been four of them, and that's why when I see the word i'm like come on that's a little hyperbolic was 1929 one day 1987 one day uh may of 2020 intraday the flash crash where we dropped eight and a half percent in like a couple of hours and the covid crash 34 percent in five weeks i don't consider the bursting of the tech bubble a crash because it occurred over three years and i don't consider the financial crisis crisis a crash because it occurred over three years. So, so, so you think it's more about being an orderly market, and if it's continuous, even though it goes down forty percent, you could take it. That's not a crash because it happened no, to over me, that's time. No, a that's a severe bear okay. that happened over time. Okay. Well, that's definitely. But I, I, that's but I would, but I would agree that uh, some of the tech stocks that are down eighty percent in six months, that's a crash too. <laughs> but I think twenty fifteen was a crash. Yeah. The third week of August of twenty fifteen. That that move took three weeks to develop, but overnight, remember when they froze yeah. them? Yeah, yeah like yeah. they just they froze people out. Um, but the problem is, it just keeps coming. It's not a problem. It, it just uh, well, look, look, we're 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 getting into semantics yeah. here. Here's the bottom line: I don't give a damn. If it took me two days to go down 35% or it took me six months, if I'm down 30 or two years, like Don's tech wreck, if I'm down 35, 40%, I'm down 35, yeah. 40%. I don't, I don't care. I got 40% less money to buy my shoes, my healthcare, my yeah. food, my shelter. It hurts the same. Yeah. Crashes are, but, but by Don's definition, crashes are just harder to maneuver around versus or or manage the risk versus an orderly bear market don's got a fender bender developing like it's it's just 
I don't know. It sounds more violent. Uh, maybe it's Don's Don's definition is more violent. I I believe to the quicker. Person, yeah. I believe okay. to the person that watches yeah. our videos. Yeah, yeah, got it. That this that it feels like a crash to them. That their in, personal finance. in 2015 that was four days and 11 percent. Uh, they locked. That's, that's 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 borderline a crash. I would I would agree with that. Four days, eleven percent. That's harsh. It was a little more steeper, I thought, than that. But anyway, what 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 do you? I don't want to bore people and drown this out. But all right, yeah. Well, I, it's a great discussion. I, it is, and, and at least it gets people thinking. Yeah. That's the main thing. You got to figure out what is a good strategy, and how you want your portfolios managed. I think it's more right now for people. It's not about capital growth. I think thinking about capital growth is great, but every everything now needs to be approached with capital preservation. Yeah. Go ahead, Don. Sorry. And with that, I think the what I want to close with is now that we are about seven eight percent off the lows. If you ever thought that it's 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 too late to sell, it's not. If we start losing these levels. And we went from a low of 38.10. Right now we're up to 41.33. If you break, if we break back below 4,000, uh, that that's going to get us back below, back into this latest range that we just broke out of. Again, risk is going to be be picked up again, extremely high, and that might be your last opportunity to get out before we do get another harsh leg down. Um, so, you know, last week we were down 20%. If it's too late to sell, now we're only down 15, uh, 14%. And we stayed right 14. around six. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, don't hope and pray that it keeps going back up. Be more concerned that what happens if it stops going up. And if we break below 4,000, I would pull the ripcord. That's my, that's my level to, uh, to have uh, significant concern about the market again. Right. Does that mean several levels that got reclaimed that were providing uh, resistance on the way back up have broken, given way again? And when support gives way, you look to the down to the next level of support, down to the next level of support, and um, before you know it, you're you're you know three falling in the market again. Well, I'll tell you what. I think this is all you got, Don. Yeah. Right. Well, that was a lot. I think I think it was a good show. That was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoyed the show a lot. I'll tell you what, Danny. I don't have one last thing because I jumped ahead to it. Wow. I know, right? Because oh, I, wow. I already discussed wow. it. Well, so, you could sing some Bolton while I take us out. I'm, oh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. That was a joke. Had, I should not have given that, that idea. Yeah, you shouldn't have given that. Yeah. What are some of Michael Bolton's most famous songs? Would you got to do it as one of the not musk chipmunks? You got to do it as the lead chipmunk. I don't know. I, I'm trying to. <laughs> Alvin. Theodore All Simon. right. Yeah. All right, folks. Listen, if you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just send them to revereasset.com and they can just go up to the top right hand corner and hit the subscribe button. And th then they can sign up. They can Give put their email. Out. We won't spam them or reach out to them in any way, but they will get our daily market insights newsletter every evening that when the market's open, they'll get this podcast delivered right into their inbox and they can reach out to any of us, Dan at revereasset.com. Don, Tim, or Hunter at revereasset.com. And you can email us with any portfolio questions, um, um, anything about our services, or if you just have a topic you want discussed on the show. And you can always call us 
old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. Folks, have a happy or have a safe Memorial Day three-day weekend. And remember what Memorial Day is about. It's about those who gave all. It's about the Gold Star families and the ones that gave their lives to keep this country free. We'll talk to you next week on Your Money. By the way, Michael Bolton was a failed hard rock singer. (laughs) Just ended on that. That's a great way to end it. (laughs) 